If you're a physician who wants more autonomy in how you practice or fulfillment in your life, you're in the right place. This is the Change Physician Podcast, where our guests reveal how you can learn the mindsets, skills, and strategies to create the life you want without selling out your morals or values. But before we begin, I want to remind you of the free book giveaways, guides, and other physician resources available to you at thechangephysician.com. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Change Physician Podcast. This is your host, Dr. Kevin Kukaro, and I'm here with my co-host, Dr. Melissa Katie. And today's guest is obviously a fantastic guest. The number one reason why is they are also an anesthesiologist and did anesthesia training. Uh, this is Dr. Eric Larson of the Paradox Podcast. We're going to talk about his experiences, um, why he went into medicus, med- medicine. We may have to talk about why he chose the wonderful specialty of anesthesiology uh, <laughs> and to go into what you're doing now with Paradox po- Podcast and why you're doing it. So Eric, thank you very much for joining us on the podcast today. Thanks for so much for having me on. Just want to know why you even went into medicine in the first place. I think a lot of us have a similar reason, but uh, from your perspective, what drew you in that direction? So my origin story, uh, I guess, you know, it, it, my, my father was a physician. He was a family doc. He actually worked at student health at Michigan State University. And he's a DO. He trained, in, um, he trained in Des Moines, Iowa, and eventually worked our way back to East Lansing. Uh, and... So I sort of was familiar with what a doctor was. I wasn't familiar with call or any of that kind of stuff because he didn't take call. He didn't work weekends. He didn't work holidays. And so my vision of what it, what it meant to be a physician was very distorted for most people. And so it just kind of seemed like a regular job, like, you know, if you work in the bank or something. And um, when I finished, I liked math and science in high school. And I went to University of Michigan for uh, engineering because I like math and science. And I thought that might be something I do. Well, always with the thought that if engineering didn't seem like the right thing, eh, maybe just try medicine. And so, unfortunately, that's kind of like my story. I got into engineering about my junior year. I realized that eh, I just didn't quite feel like I felt mixed uh, and fit in with engineers. I just didn't, I wasn't quite an engineer for whatever that might mean. And so, I realized that, of course, I hadn't taken any prerequisites. And so, and there's this thing called an MCAT, which I knew nothing about. And so, um, I took some summer class at Michigan State when I went back home, and I took the MCAT, not realizing you actually could study first. <laughs> so I mean, it was really poorly planned out process. Uh, I ended up at the University of Iowa for med school and then did my residency there. Met my wife, who's a pediatrician, and I mean, I've drawn to medicine. I think certainly after I've done it for a while, drawn by the patient contact and sort of just the sort of the fun things you do and the challenges that it, that it poses, uh, which are sometimes frustrations, but uh, that's certainly the, the things that, that I think is just the, the relationship with patients and sort of the, that unique role you play in, in moving them along in their journey for, towards, you know, better health. So let's delve into that a little bit, though, where you said, you know, your father's a physician and you had this expectation of, of what it is to be a physician. Uh, and this has been a returning or a recurring theme throughout the podcast. So you start medical school and you and, uh did anything change about what your expectations were with being a physician between your experiences being the, the child of a physician as, and now being a medical student? Yeah. I mean, I think the consistent story I ever hear from when I talk to other physicians, you know, the OR or wherever that medical school is probably the worst experience of your life. Um, and uh, especially that first year, because you suddenly realize you're not that smart. Uh, you thought you were, and turns out you weren't. Um, and so that was, it's so humbling 
which I think is actually probably good. I think a good dose of humility is probably a good thing to have at some point. And then, um, yeah, my, my dad's career was very unlike most physicians. And so that was sort of an eye-opening for me. Once you get into medical school and interact with residents and you kind of see how things work, and obviously things have changed dramatically since he was a physician in training. DO training was much different than two. I mean, he did just an intern year and then he went out and practiced. And so that's, you know, I don't even know if people do that anymore. I don't think probably so. Um, and, you know, so everything was just a lot different than I think what I had thought. Not that I had thought through things very, very thoroughly. I mean, I went to anesthesia because I thought it was fun. I didn't really look at markets or payment or lifestyle, really. It just seemed like, hey, that's kind of cool, which is, I don't recommend the best way to go through life, but it actually worked out. So maybe it is the best way. I don't know. Um, and so, yeah, I, and it, you're asking about anesthesia. And so in University of Iowa, you actually have required rotations. They had always lots of trouble with people trying to front load their schedules as a third year medical student with certain specialties. And so if you didn't really know for sure, you'd never get into the the harder to get into specialties like ophthalmology, dermatology, orthopedics. And so they want to make sure that unless you absolutely were certain you wanted to do those things, that everyone had an equal opportunity to sort of end up doing a two-week rotation radiology or two weeks in anesthesia or whatever. Anesthesia was never on my radar, so I ended up taking my fourth year. My wife, actually, who's a pediat uh, pediatrician, she ended up taking her third year. And I came home, I mean, the second or third day from, res uh, from the rotation. And uh, I said, you know, this is pretty cool. I think this is what I want to do. And because I would have been maybe thinking ER or something. And she burst out laughing, thinking I was joking because she thought it was the most boring rotation she'd had in medical school. She, she couldn't think of a worse rotation. Right. And, and then she felt terrible because she was, I was being <laughs> serious. Uh, and so anyway, that's sort of a kind of fun story about that. And um, so I, I, I went to anesthesia, not knowing anything. And I don't know when you guys train, but you look younger than me. And, and you, and you mentioned off air that you actually went to residency with my partners who's younger than me. So when I went to anesthesia, it was coming off just the, um, it was in, it had cratered, you know, where the, no one had gone into anesthesia for a while. And I didn't know this. I had no idea. So, I mean, had I hit anesthesia four years earlier, I would have been like the only anesthesia resident from the United, you know, American grad. I think there were less than, I think there were less than a hundred American grads who went to anesthesia one year in the, uh, and which, caused lots of anesthesia programs to collapse and whatever. So when I got into, so when I was a fourth year medical student, I then decided, well, I better do a senior rotation in this. And so we had four, you know, a four week rotation. And there were so few residents at Iowa, which was still a pretty good program in general, uh, that I actually had my own room as a medical student. So I was delivering the, I was the only anesthesia provider in the room for cases for like days. Like I'd have a day of just general surgery where I'd be doing hernias and, and, um, I, I tell the story now, no medical student believes me because it's not like I'm, a, yeah, I'm not a hundred years old, right? I mean, this is not that long ago that I was doing this. This is this, this, is this millennium, you know? And, uh, and so I was, I was there in a room doing my own case. I had no idea how, what any of the drugs did on the back table. I didn't know how much to give to anybody. Uh, I just had a, a handbook that told me, you know, drop ephedrine, drop phenylephrine, drop propofol, what, you know, or actually it was pentothal. We didn't use propofol at Iowa. It was too expensive. It was still, uh, it was still a brand name. And, uh, and then the first patient, of course, some, I, I'm sure it was an ASA one hernia, simple, like 20, 30 year old guy couldn't intubate him. Not surprisingly. Right. And my staff comes, comes in and, and he is, uh, an older, very older gentleman. And he comes in, he intubates the guy with no laryngoscope, no gloves, 
and just lifts up with his hand and just tosses the tube in, like, you know, doesn't even, like, look. And it debates this guy. And just, like, sort of like a, the classic mic drop. He just, like, walks out of the room. Like, right. And I'm like, this is – I have – there's no way I picked the right especially. <laughs> this is for me. I need to reconsider things. <laughs> Only later when I did my residency today, I learned that he's the guy everyone called when they couldn't intubate anyone, right? So he's uh, – Dr. Gersh, who's now passed. But he was the guy. So, anyway, that was sort of my experience, and which – was actually great as a medical student. I mean, I was running my own anesthetics and stuff. It's, again, looking back, it's bananas. I mean, I don't know if the patients had any idea, but. Wow. But, uh, yeah, I'm just. I can't even imagine having that kind of experience. I mean, that, that early on, that's insane. You know, you were talking about these, um, some challenges or frustrations you've found along the way um, obviously you kind of see them more as challenges or something to overcome, but there's, there's, I'm assuming some things that as your eyes open to the realities of the changing medical system and getting into, you know, through your residency and into practice, is there anything that kind of, uh, you know, is the biggest lessons you learned that you, there was no way you would have known this before getting into it? I, well, there are a couple levels, layers to that question, I think. I mean, I, yeah. you know, when I, I will look at things pre my podcast, I think is probably a good way of looking at it. And there are a lot of things that you just deal with and you're trying to figure out the biggest thing is you don't have, you have no control over them. Like an electronic medical record suddenly comes, you have to adapt and try and work your routine around, uh, you know, different system, uh, computer system. It's hard finding information. You know, why suddenly do I not have propofol for six months? Or why do I not have, you know, some other important like labetalol or uh, fentanyl? I mean, I've experienced so many drug shortages through this time too. And, and so it's uh, the frustrations oftentimes are things that are outside your control. So the biggest thing you have to learn is just to, is you have to adapt and accept those changes. I mean, you can't fix system global-wide problems uh, in your hospital. You can maybe try and correct little things, but um, I think, you know, they were just dealing with this stuff and, and it is frustrating because you feel powerless. And I think, you know, when you look at physician burnout, for instance, you know, one of the big things is, is powerlessness is that feeling that you can't affect change. Um, so then after the podcast, when I started it, I, you know, I had two or three episodes in mind. I didn't really have any idea what I was going to talk about. I thought I had some interesting things to say, but there was a lot of stuff I'd didn't know, but like one of the things was drug shortages. Why do we have them? And by interviewing all these people, I started learning more about the delivery system in the United States. I had a vague idea what I thought the problems were, but I can much better articulate it now. And all sorts of other things that I never thought of, uh, I've learned about. And so it, I, you know, sometimes in some ways, just having information, it, even though you don't have power to change those things, at least knowing what the problem is and how to maybe address it, or at least at least know what it is and that it's not, you're just being crazy. I think that has been helpful. Uh, and then all these, there's some life changes that have happened too, which have changed my approach to medicine. And I think it's made, changed me as a physician too. Yeah. So just to reel back, when did you, why and when did you decide to do the podcast? Well, if anyone who does anesthesia or spends time in the OR realizes there's a lot of music played in the OR. And I've never been a huge music person. I don't mind music. I, in fact, I don't even hear it. And so people ask me, like, what can I play? What do you, do you mind if I play such and such? I'm like, I don't, you know, it doesn't make a difference to me. I won't pay much attention. Uh, but the last thing I wanted to do when I get in the car is listen to music. And so, and so I would always listen to, 
either sports radio or maybe talk radio because I'm interested in politics. I'm interested in sports. And uh, after a while, I somehow I learned about this thing called podcasts and that you could actually listen to specifically what you want to listen to. For instance, I could listen to Michigan State basketball podcast where I listen to just Michigan State basketball. No commercials. They don't talk about hockey or soccer or whatever. Uh, and I don't have to listen to idiots you know, call in on the talk shows, the sports talk shows and those sorts of things. And the same thing goes for politics, right? And so I started getting into podcasts and listening to a bunch of them. And there are a couple of podcasts to listen to where they're sort of talking about this, such a low barrier to entry into this sort of medium that anybody can do it. You know, you may not have anyone listen to you, but you can you can do it. And um, eventually, I just thought after a couple of years, I thought, well, maybe I should just do it. I don't know. I mean, I've got a computer. I've got I can buy a microphone for seventy bucks, and you know, the hosting is pretty cheap. I mean, it's it is incredibly inexpensive to do this this thing. The hardest thing is, of course, growing an audience and finding guests and doing the you know doing it and being any good at it, I suppose. Um, and so, you know, I taught myself how to build a website, which is the hardest thing for me. And then all the other sort of mechanics of recording a show and editing and stuff. And uh, it was just sort of a intellectual, it was another, sort of like a, another challenge to try and figure out if I could actually do something. And so there, I don't know, there's things in life where you just think, I wonder if I could do it. And, you know, if it doesn't work out, it's not like I'm out much except some time and I, you know, wasted in front of the computer. Yeah. So that on a personal standpoint, then, because you kind of touched on a lot of different issues that we know that are present in medicine, the, the lack of perceived control over much of what we do, um, this isolation, uh, it always seems like somebody's telling us exactly what, to, or what and how to practice. And yep. usually that person isn't someone who's actually practices <laughs> or knows how to practice. Um, where are you seeing yourself go with the podcast then, or how, how is that interplaying with your, per, your professional life now? Well, I've become an expert in the OR. That's been sort of interesting <laughs> when it comes to stuff, uh, you know, whether, whatever it is, because I just tend to pay more attention to that, those sorts of things like, you know, payer issues and third-party payment plans and drug shortages and all kinds of things. And so, you know, I think you sort of become a mini expert, which is, not really helpful, but it's sort of, it's sort of interesting, but I think I've been able to explore, explore things more. Um, and by knowing those things, it has made it a little bit easier being a physician. And also I think I recognize what, we're certainly talking about physician burnout a couple of times and physician assisted, or no, sorry, I've talked about physician assisted suicide, but also physician suicide. The thing, the factors that go into it, I think just having a little awareness of what it is that causes problems, it makes it a little bit different when you're practicing and, and actually interacting with people in the day. I mean, I think I may go out of my way a little bit more to be less isolated. I have, um, I've sort of changed in that I don't get as easily frustrated by things that I think that were maybe frustrating me before. I, th I was very, I was very pessimistic about medicine before I started my podcast. And by that, I don't mean that we wouldn't have good medicine, but I think that the profession and the the trajectory of the healthcare system in the United States, I was very pessimistic that it was sort of very, I had a very doom and gloom sort of uh, view of it. Now I see so much, so many people who overcome problems and who find innovative solutions to solve problems that we have, even within the current very broken system, that I'm much more optimistic about human ingenuity or whatever you might, might want to call it, American sort of uh, entrepreneurship that's going to actually overcome a lot of these problems, no matter what impediments are put forth by an administrator uh, you know, a bureaucrat or politician. You know, it's, it's 
interesting hearing you say just that doom and gloom kind of perspective and you've been exploring, you know, a lot of different issues through with the podcast, but I'm kind of curious, do you feel like there's an element of the fact that you merely allowed yourself an opportunity to do something outside of medicine that gave you an outlet for creativity and exploration and connecting with people? Do you feel like that's a part of it? You know, maybe somewhat. I think I think it's always important to get other perspectives on what's going uh, on things because you get in a bubble and especially medicine, it's very easy and maybe bubbles the wrong word, but I think you just talk to the same people. And so talking to people who are doing things that are different, you know, you, unless I had sought these sorts of people out, I never would have learned about all this stuff. And you can certainly, um, I guess, find, I'm certainly I find my ideas for shows in, you know, in social media or Twitter, or, you know, wherever. Uh, but actually like seek them out and try and get a better understanding of how someone is actually going about changing um, the pricing for pharmaceuticals, for instance, and recognize that there actually are possibly solutions that work, right? I think unless you actually go and seek that out, you know, you're going to feel helpless. And so that's probably helped. Um, and I think, you know, maybe creativeness. I mean, I'm not, a, I don't consider myself a creative person. I, if you listen to me try and sing or do any sort of artwork or anything, I mean, I'm not really very creative, but uh, I think it's just, it's an intellectual endeavor, I think, to to go about this. And so that probably, it's, a, it's an outlet, which has been a fun thing. And mm -hmm. the ability to connect with people and talk to people who I have no, I have no um, right to be talking to, because there's, I mean, why would they be talking to me? I'm really nobody. I started my podcast, I have zero name recognition anywhere, and yet it's been pretty successful. And and I have people send me books and, you know, I mean, I, I would recommend if you're like someone who loves write, reading books, start a podcast about books and just people send you free books. I mean, yeah. it's actually, it's stunning that people will talk to you. I have scientists and people I really respect in media who will do an interview with me. And I don't know, I mean, it, it's been a great experience for that. And so I think, you know, that has helped me become more optimistic about things probably just because I, like you said, I just, you can connect with lots of different people like you find, you know, folks, I mean, it's, these sorts of opportunities are pretty cool. Yeah, you're you're a unique breed. We just had in a recent interview where as physicians, we tend to be risk averse and not always willing to put ourselves out there out of worry of being perfect or knowing everything and how to do everything. But I think by putting yourself out there, it, it can be pretty amazing what can come back to you by just putting it out there. And I think people see that and are willing to let you basically propagate their message and and allow you know allow that that uh, viewpoint or knowledge to be projected to other people. So, um, Kevin, any comments about that uh, or other questions? Coming about um, this, the the comments of awareness. You're you're it made you more aware. You're more aware of, of the problem and and not necessarily maybe having a solution in any way, shape, or form, but there is a difference when you have a bigger picture view than this kind of confined place that I think a lot of physicians have allowed ourselves to, to, to be boxed into through many different ways. I mean, you go to medical school, it's, it's, it's a lot of time, it's a lot of effort. You start losing all the side interests and things like that. You go, that persists through residency and maybe early practice or whatever. So it, it is easy to lose that perspective. So it's, it's, it's just nice to hear you talk about becoming more aware increases your perspective and just becoming aware of all the different issues actually changes how you perceive that issue, which then kind of impacts your physiology and, and your psychology behind it as well. Yeah, no, I think, it, I think it's sort of like a, being in a dark room. 
if you don't think there's a light switch, it's really hard to, to persist in it, but knowing that it's there somewhere <laughs> and that you'll find it eventually. Uh, and I mean, that's kind of how I, pro I feel like a lot of these things, like I'm not worried about how we're going to fix things tomorrow, but I think, you know, ultimately they'll get fixed and, and that people, even if you may have people who are working against you, and I think we all feel like we have that as in medicine, there are plenty of people who want you to succeed, including, you know, most of your fellow physicians and, you know, obviously yourself and your patients. And so you're probably going to overcome those problems, whether, no matter what sort of roadblocks are put in, in the, in the way, ultimately now, you know, Maybe I've just said sort of like Lord of the Rings, eventually Mordor falls, but it's not an easy, it's not an easy path to get there. <laughs> That's definitely <laughs> nice. So what, what is your, um, uh, like when you think of, of your podcast and who you want it to reach, do you have certain um, audience in mind or what they should get out of it? What's your intention? So my intention was always to, well, initially my intention was to do it with another physician. And so we were going to be the paradox and she backed out. She said, well, I shouldn't say she backed out. I kept trying to talk her into it. She just refused to do it. It's not my <laughs> wife. It's someone else. And uh, so then I just had to scramble and because I had to kind of rebuilt everything. And so it, it became a journey with me talking to people to understand various things that initially frustrated me. Like I didn't understand why are these things happening? Why don't I have propofol, for instance, or why don't I have fentanyl, right? And, um, and then you, there, you realize, of course, well, there are more than just like two or three problems. There are probably like a hundred or a thousand. And so you can, there are plenty of things to explore, but it's, but I always have focused my show on, like, I'm talking to people who are physicians in the room, but also people who aren't physicians, like the guy who's, um, you know, the surgical tech who's, who, you know, has some vague interest in, not, in medicine, but doesn't really have any deep understanding of how things work. And so I try and, I try and formulate my conversation so that it helps physicians understand better of why they can't deliver the care they want, but also to help patients understand the, the problems that our physicians are facing in delivering care and why they aren't getting the care they want either. And, and so I think, you know, what, what, why is the patient physician relationship broken? So we, we explore that for all sorts of different reasons. And, um, and so it's, I always, I've never done official demographics, but my hunch is, and certainly getting messages from people and people who subscribe to my show, like who, you know, send money it's a, it's about a probably a split between physicians and non-physicians and so i have i always have to that in mind when i'm talking to people to not get lost too much in jargon or if we do i have to kind of get back up okay well you know this is what you know mrsa is or whatever you know it might be and so um that's that's been my sort of focus because i don't want to have a show that's just for physicians because i think i want the physicians to have a way to say hey this is you know how i've been talking about problems of charting and emr listen to this and, you know, get sent it to their brother or their sister or their, you know, uncle. And then they can listen to it and say, oh, okay, now I understand what you're, I don't understand everything you're talking about, but for the most part, I understand why you might be frustrated about it. So I think that's sort of been the goal of my show. I don't know how effective it is, but it, people seem to be listening. So it must be working <laughs> at some level. <laughs> well, that's one of the, one of the fun things about podcasting too, well, on the internet media in general, is we've, the, the, we have the ability to have these unique audiences in so many different ways. So if it is interesting to you out of however many billion people we have now, what 8 billion humans, there's probably at least a couple of them that are interested in whatever topics that you're bringing up as well. Um, and I, I just think that's fascinating because we've gone from this area where you had to have like the generic message, you know, the three cable or the three stations on TV right. that had to fit like the majority of people uh, to an opportunity now where no matter what your interests are, there's someone who's probably going to be interested in with you and, and podcasting provides a great 
way for people to develop those interests. And it's, 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 I'm just scrolling through your episodes here, and it's just really interesting to see you've had some really, really good discussions here on some crucial elements uh, of healthcare as well as physician pra- practice that many of the public may not necessarily w- would be aware of all these implications. Like I'm looking at how HIPAA destroyed patient privacy. You know, right. people think that HIPAA was a good thing. Well, there's, a, you know, what, what has it really done to actually protect privacy? Well, not as much as people would think. And uh, MOCA uh, or, or MOC, which is another yeah, one right. where the public probably doesn't, you know, maintenance of certification, which is a whole nother story and things. And uh, so it's, it's just great to see that you're being able to divide, go into these, these, all these different topics that are definitely relevant to physicians, um, but also important for the public to be aware of. So kudos. On that. Yeah, well, I mean, the MOC was actually one of the issues that I had. <laughs> That's one of the first ones. Yeah, MOC, direct primary care. And uh, so and just a general delivery care system was sort of my initial things. And then it's, you know, since then, it's, I hear something interesting. And now I just go, at, go ahead and say, hey, I want to learn more about that. I, I'm doing an episode in a week on the, the 340B rule, which I've never known anything about until about two weeks ago, which is, you know, wait for hospitals to get cheap pass-throughs for medications. And they sort of, it's kind of a scam, like lots of these things. But so these are sort of things I can just explore and talk, talk to people. So, um, and obviously lots of COVID, which, you know, I don't, I'm guessing even when this gets released, whatever that might be, it, we'll still be talking about COVID and it's not going to be going anywhere. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I'm there. <laughs> what's that, Kevin? I think we have time with the COVID thing. Uh, yeah. We can only wait a year for releasing this and we'll still be talking about that. Yeah. Yeah, no, I, I was, I was reviewing over, you know, the topics as well. And it, it's, uh, the, those are some deep dives into some real critical um, conversations that, you know, sometimes people just gloss over it because it's so frustrating. They can't figure it out and understand the system. And so, like you said, it, it seems like it's a, a way for you to f- maybe get some hope that there are some strategies uh, in place or that are being developed that could potentially affect change. Yeah. So that's great. And I, and I would add, if you don't mind. Uh, yeah. So the, probably the biggest, the biggest impact I think my podcast has had for me is, uh, and you may notice on episode 25, uh, in August of 2018, so almost, a little over two years ago, just barely over two years, uh, last Saturday when we're talking now, recording this, but uh, our 14 year old son died in a car accident when I was driving. And, mm-hmm. um, and so shattered uh, a world and brokenness, grief, and, um, you know, my wife couldn't work for a year. And so she's been back now for about a year. But uh, the podcast actually provides a certain outlet. I mean, I had started the show, and Andy would always kind of tease me about whether I'd gone viral or not. And I'm like, Andy, no, this show is never going viral, so don't, <laughs> don't worry about that. Uh, but um, I, I kept doing the show because I felt like it was the right thing to do, and just I felt called to do it. And then probably about nine months or well maybe a little over about a year after he had passed away my wife said you know maybe i should listen to some podcast or something about parents and grief and i said well go ahead i think that's a great idea and she said well i looked i couldn't find it i said well you're 600 700 podcasts you're clearly not doing it right let me search for you <laughs> right mm-hmm. how many husbands have done that before right so uh, i go in of course i don't find it either and so uh she decided to embark on her own journey and so she started her own podcast and uh it's been pretty popular i mean it's the the 
where she just interviews other parents who've lost their kids and sort of how do you deal with grief and, you know, go through this and people have lost kids 10 years ago or two months ago. And it's been great healing for her. It's been, you know, just great for other people, obviously, but I feel like my, my ability to help her start a podcast has really been the, the best thing that's come out of my podcast is the ability to sort of help her do that. And um, with, and reach to all those people because ultimately that's we all want to do the same thing as helping people and that's kind of why we go to medicine i mean and so anyway i mean i think that was sort of from a creative standpoint maybe that's the best thing that i've done and her show is called always annie's mom it's at annie's mom.com but uh it, just for but that's been the 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 most helpful thing for us to sort of work through things and it's helped me and it helped it's helped change me as, and when I was talking about personal things, this has sort of helped change me as a, a physician too. I'm much more empathetic than I used to be, much more compassionate than I was. I always thought I was until you sort of go through this sort of thing, uh, which is the worst experience, you know, a parent can have, I think. Uh, and um, it has, it has just radically changed sort of how I approach medicine and, and look at things. And the frustrations, I don't let them get to me as much as I used to, because they're just not as, they're they're a lot smaller than they they used they don't seem as big as they used to i guess is probably part of the part of the answer yeah um yeah. i'm really i don't mean to I'm bring sorry. it down sorry no <laughs> it's, it's i okay. i have so much that i'm um kevin do you want to go first or well no well <laughs> i'm a parent <laughs> so as soon as i hear something like that it totally impacts me um but i could see that is like being having the opportunity to talk through we, we just forget how powerful connection and communication can be. And whatever media you're in, it, it, it's, it's, it's powerful, but podcasting really gives you, a, you that opportunity to really connect with others. So I'm sitting here listening. And when you, as you say that, it immediately just smashes me in my heart. And then I'm, I'm, you know, kind of imagining that process. And then, you know, thinking about your family and just how much good, like I'm actually shocked that there wasn't a podcast because that is such a huge need. And, yeah. and the, and the fact that your wife then could, you could assist with that with your experience and then create a podcast like that, where it is, is definitely not a subject matter. I think anybody would want to have to discuss, but if you need to discuss it, it's really not, I mean, to have a resource there is just so profound. So, wow. I, I, I think I'm a little overwhelmed at this point <laughs> on the podcast yeah. thing. Cause I, that just, yeah. uh, yeah, I, I, I just can't even imagine. So, yeah, no, I think what an amazing, um, like you said, the podcast gave you such a gift, despite a tragedy, to be able to cope with something that is such a, from a humanistic standpoint, like you said, you felt a different level of empathy for patients that sometimes may have been hard to tap into without going through it yourself but for you to to still be able to hold on to to what you were doing despite going through all that and then transform that gift to your wife to give a voice to help others that don't feel like they have a voice and need a place to tell their story or to just hear someone else's story that is what an amazing um, thing that you've done with all that's happened to, to both of you. And, and I just, I mean, it, someone could have just thrown it all away and not utilize that and, 
in a, and repurpose that for something so meaningful. So I just wanted to say thank you for doing that for a lot of the people that really need it. Yeah. Well, you're welcome. And I, it has, I, you know, I think it's been more therapeutic and helpful to us as most things are when you, I mean, when you do things like that, it's probably more helpful to you. And, and um, it, it's been a great experience in that sense. I mean, you, you don't ever want to look for the good that comes out of things like that. Cause you obviously give it all back and, and more, mm-hmm. um, but you have to sort of soldier on sometimes. And, um, and seeing all these other parents who have gone with it. I think, you know, the biggest thing when you lose your kid is you think you're gone crazy. And I think, you know, you're as you can't do anything. And, and I would say, you know, as a physician specifically, uh, you know, I, so I was, you can listen to the episode if you want, but uh, yeah. the, um, you know, I had to do, I was doing CPR on my son out in the, um, and I pulled him out of the van and, um, and then I going back to work, I went back to work like four weeks later. I'm not sure how long it was. And they actually just left me in a plastic surgery center for a month or six weeks. My group, they were very good about it. Just because the hard thing is like seeing all the different people all the time. And so going to a hospital setting where you're seeing like, you know, you don't realize how many people you know, how many names until you start going to that setting. And so going to a small place where you just know people, you kind of tell the story once or twice or whatever, and you kind of get out of your system and then you sort of just kind of go to work. But knowing whether you could actually, you know, I mean, the last person I bagged and mass and bagged was my son. Uh, on the yeah. side of the road and to suddenly have to put someone to sleep and then have to do that. I, I was pretty sure I could do it fine, but I wasn't sure. Um, but also, uh, you know, when it comes to like finances, the fact that we had financial reserves in place, what a huge blessing that was because we're not suddenly forced to work or forced to do things that we, that we're not ready to do psychologically or emotionally. And so, I mean, I've talked to a couple of financial shows they've had me on. And I think, you know, that's really a thing because there are things you cannot anticipate. I think all physicians felt this spring with COVID, right? They, they had a planned income and they have sort of the, all their expenses. And then suddenly something happens, you can't work. That can happen when you're, you break your arm or there's something tragic in your family or stupid pandemic here. So, I mean, but there's, yeah. there's always that unknown that we, um, we have to sort of be prepared for. So I think it's been... Um, I, I mean, I think those are some lessons that I try and tell other people too, because they're just things you can't, there's so many things in life you can't anticipate. In fact, probably nothing you can anticipate. You, you only think you can plan and, and you have control when really you probably don't really. And so that's been, that's been one of the easiest things of the pandemic for us. We sort of didn't have much plans anyway, because at some point you're like, I don't know if I'm going to be up to do X, Y, or Z. So yeah, <laughs> I'm not going to worry about it too much, but um, so that, that's been a helpful thing for me uh, and it's been just help helping her has been, you know, helpful to me and the rest of the family. And I hope, you know, it's helps others. And obviously my show is not nearly as important as hers. All I can do is I just have his solo that he sang. He's in the, he was in the choir. And so that closes my show. And so it's just my little way I can sort of offer tribute to Andy because nothing else I can really do for him, unfortunately. Yeah. Well, that's a, uh... A beautiful way to pay tribute to him and and i've what a, i just think of the amount of perspective that you've gained not just from your podcasts but just these life events that as physicians we think we can control and we want to control everything or even help our patients control what's going on with them and uh the rude you know reality is that that's not always going to be the case. And so, um, like you said, there's so many things that if we expect life to be, 
a little bit turbulent and not always going to go the way we expect, we could be better prepared or at least put the buffers to help us through those hard times. So, Yeah. Accepting, I think, is probably the best way to look at it. Like, you know, the person who cuts you off in traffic, maybe they're running to the hospital. Like, I, yeah. I have a lot more... Um, just, just those sorts of interactions don't bother me as much as they used to. Where you, you, instead of assuming the worst, is I mean, you think, well, maybe they're having, you know, who knows what they're going through? Because, heck, I was that person, you know, a couple, you know, a couple years ago. So I don't know. That's yeah, just our human level, I suppose. Yeah, definitely, Kevin. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Got you speechless. It, yeah, it's that's a it's probably my um, I think the most challenging. As a, as a parent, I think that is probably the most challenging thing and just really quickly derails my brain because then it obviously goes off in different directions and I think how blessed I am and yeah. So I'm going to try to focus back on, on, our, on our podcast here is um, where, would, where do you see this going for you now though? Where with the podcast, with your practice, do you have a future plan um, that you maybe want to transition more to just audience building and podcasting and exploring that more or or are you finding yourself more on the physician side or or do you want to go off and become a painter maybe find that creative side that you said you weren't you weren't really creative before. right yeah i i will i'll avoid painting because that's definitely <laughs> not a not a good thing i still remember in in high school when i we were playing pictionary in spanish and i tried to draw a uh rabbit and no one everyone just kept yelling toro they thought for sure i was drawing a bull and so that's <laughs> been scarred ever since um I, I think, you know, when it comes to my podcast, my goal has always been to, has been to grow the audience. If I had any sort of goal, I don't look to really monetize it significantly. Uh, it's not one that I think lends itself to it, but I could be wrong. I mean, I suppose I just want to increase the reach and, and have more people go on the journey with me and learning more about medicine because there's lots of cool things that are going on. I just want more people to know about them and hopefully get some hope from that, that it's, you know, not all doom and gloom. There are things to be concerned about and to learn about. And once you recognize the problems, maybe you can see some, find some solutions yourself. I don't, I don't know. Um, so that's been my, my focus. I think, you know, I've joined the doctor's podcast network. And so that's, they invited me to that. And so I'll be part of that whenever it launches in, I think sometime this year or later this year. Um, so that By should the time hopefully... this episode's out, it should have been should be launched. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so so that so that'll be uh, that's going to be one of them, and so that should help a lot with the with the uh, the reach of the show. And I think um, that's pretty much my focus. I think I'll just continue doing things and exploring things as I see interesting. But I'm guessing, but I'm open to it moving in different directions. Like I've done some things in finance. I've done some things on science and I've done talk about forced organ harvesting in China, things that I find important that are some related to, to medicine. I'll talk about them if, and, you know, happy to have people send in ideas and stuff like that too, which I've used at times. I've talked to some guy about fasting, which I've never done before, but I've started recently just to try it out and we'll see how that goes. But, and again, that's another person who I have no business talking to, but he agreed to an interview and, you know, sent me his book and stuff. And so, um, so I'm just going to continue having fun doing this. And, uh, you know, if I start getting paid, I'm going to have to start treating it more like a job and be more reliable on getting my episodes on time. So maybe it's best if I, if I kind of stay in pure amateur status and just, you know, but we'll see. Yeah. Well, that, that is awesome. Any, uh, any other questions, Kevin, or you want to ask, want me to lead out? No, I, I uh, really want to take the time to thank you for joining us today, Eric. And it was a pleasure to talk with you. A pleasure to hear your kind of your podcasting journey to hear insights um, in how 
it's interesting how you started this, you know, just a curiosity and a lot of different facets. So I really appreciate you taking the time to develop that curiosity so that every people out there can enjoy it as well. Yeah. And, you know, thank you for, you know, just sharing your exploration into this world of podcasting and being vulnerable and sharing um, your wife's ventures too. And we'll make sure that people know how to find both of you and uh, seek more information and understanding and stories. And uh, for those of you listening out there, this is the Change Physician Podcast. I'm Dr. Melissa Katie with my co-host, Dr. Kevin Kakara. Thank you for joining us today on the Change Physician Podcast. If you've enjoyed this episode, please let us know by going to thechangephysician.com. And while you're there, be sure to check out the free book giveaways, guides, and other physician resources available to you simply by joining the community at thechangephysician.com.